Play that funky music, dead boy. I don't want to scare anyone. But I'm going to give it to you straight about Jason. for Midnight Family to episode 36 or week two of our Halloween 25-8-366 month. If you're tuning in immediately after this episode release, it's just after midnight here in the DFM vault, no matter when or where you're listening. Or maybe you're currently in school or thinking about going back. If I were you, I'd make sure you check out the course syllabus before registering. Or at least make sure you're sick the night your professor decides your soul is counting heavily towards your participation grade. <laughs> now that you've been warned, here's another heads up for you if you've survived the past two weeks with us in episode 34 and 35 on the cursed shoreline of Crystal Lake. Reminder, we are a full spoiler pod. So just in case you haven't caught this movie, that is the second part of John Carpenter's Apocalypse Trilogy preceded by 1982's The Thing, and this little gem that comes before 1994's In the Mouth of Madness, go watch the movie we're about to talk about and come back to us. Carrie, what do you got for us today? What are we talking about? We are talking about John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Father! (laughs) Uh, You know, the male wolf and I are a little docile today. He's snuggling up to me today. What do you have, good boy? What's Jake have to say about this movie? Case and carry. This is not a dream. Not a dream. We are using your brain's electrical system as a receiver. We are unable to transmit through consciousness neural interference. You are receiving this broadcast as a dream. We are transmitting from the year 1999. You are receiving this broadcast in order to alter the events you are seeing. Our technology has not developed the transmitter strong enough to reach your conscious state of awareness, but this is not a dream. You are seeing what is actually occurring for the purpose of causality violation. Have any mirrors handy, anyone? (laughs) Hello again. It's me, Jake, the Midnight Traveler, back again from the future, or the past, or another dimension, or somewhere, that is to tell you, warn you, about one of the great lost classics of the 80s from one of America's finest directors that came out of nowhere for me and genuinely freaked me out. Chances are you know the director, and chances are you know at least one of the stars of the film, but chances are even better that you may have missed this one entirely until very recently. Well, We here at Dying for Midnight 
we like to take things out of the shadows and shine a little light on forgotten gems such as these. Spitting be damned. <laughs> so wake up from those collective dreams, people, and let's venture down into the basements of our minds and take a look at John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. This one I can remember fondly. It was 1999, thereabouts, and it was a Thursday night. We had three premium channels that I watched vigilantly for anything cool. Well, that night, I saw that coming up was this little film that I'd heard absolutely nothing, and I mean nothing, about. We were still new to the internet around this time, and none of my peers or older relatives ever mentioned anything about this film from what I can recall. I had nothing further to go on other than the belief burb that Encore had on it before it came on. This one, to me, was going to be hot off the presses, and I was going to watch all of it, school night be damned. By this time, I had developed an intense love for the films of John Carpenter, and it really shocked me that this one had completely went under my radar. So when I saw Donald Pleasance and Victor Wong show up, I gasped. These were two very familiar faces for me, and then when Dennis Dunn came on the screen, I was hooked. These were three of the top members of the John Carpenter Stock Company, and then throwing in Alice Cooper to boot, I knew right then that I was in for something truly great. I wouldn't discover the epic Simon and Simon television series until I moved out of state, so Jameson Parker was a new face to me, and considering that he was about 75% mustache in this, I felt they got overshadowed. And that's not me knocking his performance. He's great in it, but damn, that mustache. To recap the basic plot, the stars are aligning and the most ancient of all evils is about to awaken and destroy pretty much all of creation and it's sitting in the basement of a mostly abandoned church in the middle of downtown L.A. Most everything we learned from Christianity was a cover-up and Lovecraft was a lot closer to the truth than we'd ever realized. It's up to a bunch of physicists and professors with some guidance from the Vatican to figure out a way to stop this thing from happening and being let loose. The secret can be kept no longer, and the messages from the future, transmitted through dreams no less, are becoming more and more vivid and pleading about the oncoming doom for all of humanity. Throw in some physics and relativity here and there, and you have a well-layered story with some great creepy kills and truly disturbing images told devastatingly well over the course of an hour and 42 minutes. Some might say this rips off The Sentinel, another great film, by the way, but I think that this very much goes its own way while still sharing a lot of similarities. I think that those two films would make a killer late-night double feature. Hmm. This, to me, is another example of a film where everything works. The tone, the pacing, the dialogue, the imagery... The music, all fitting together like clockwork with the best results one could possibly ask for. And if you're a rock fan, then boy, are you in for a treat. 
Alice Cooper. Yes, the Alice Cooper is here as one of the armies of possessed homeless people that help trap the scientists in the church. And even without dialogue, his presence alone is enough to sell his character as the perfect puppet of evil. And he makes a damn impressive kill to boot. Those of you with an even keener eye might catch the similarities of the prince's mark to the logo for that of the Blue Oyster Cult. I wasn't much of a fan of that band when I first saw this movie, but upon a later viewing when I saw it appear in the transcripts and then on the arm of the possessed host, I shrieked with delight. Damn, this is a great movie. This one also genuinely freaked me out. It's a slow burn, but not that much of a slow burn at the same time. Pacing is slow and deliberate and stares you right in the eyes the entire time and doesn't let up an iota until the very last second before the credits roll. Would this be a good movie to throw on at a Halloween party in the background? No. Would it be a good movie to put on for a dedicated movie night for a cadre of horror hounds to give it their full attention? Absolutely. This might be the most underrated horror film of the 80s, if not all time. If you haven't seen it, then correct that right now. I think I will leave you here with the lyrics from Mr. Cooper's song to best describe what we are up against with this. He fears the light. He fears the truth. He fears what's going to be. He spits on life. He spits on God. He spits up death for you and me. Prince of darkness. Studies the world with hungry eyes. Prince of darkness. Ready to baptize you in lies. Heart of evil. Soul of blackness. Prince of darkness. See you next midnight. Jake. Jake, I always appreciate your insight, personal tales, and your overview. It really sets up the episode for everybody. And uh, just be careful, guys. Be careful what might be on that other side of that mirror that's hanging on your wall. <laughs> that was a nice touch. Um, Carrie, what do we got for movie poster and tagline? Because there is a lot of different looks to these posters some of them are a little bit older than others some of them are more modern have to do with physical media release yeah what's the one with the face on it that everybody seems to kind of associate with yeah. the prince of darkness so it's just this the poster's black and it has the blue sky and it has the pink red sky too combining together and you have alice cooper's face on it <laughs> alice cooper is uh, I guess we'll get into character names later. Is there like a specific name for his homeless person? Uh, street schizoid. Is that what it is? I think. Okay. <laughs> We're even though he doesn't utter a word, as Jake mentions, um, we, we know like are all homeless people schizoids? It's that, no. I don't know about that label, given that we don't really hear him talk. So, um, but he's got a very big prep. Prevence. Oh, my Lord. I guess I still need more caffeine. Um, very big presence, as Jake was noting in this film. And um, I don't mind him being on the artwork. 
Um, talk about the next one that's a newer look. Okay. Because so- Alice Cooper's on that one yeah. too. And I actually like the way they used him better on this next one versus the one you just talked about. Yeah. So this is the collector's edition. Mm-hmm. And it has John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. And it has the church on it. It has the people standing around it, surrounding it. And it has... Lots of green. Lots of green because, you know, the goo. <laughs> and then you have Donald Pleasance in the middle. Yeah. And you have our two main characters. You know, it's funny. Donald Pleasance plays a pretty significant role. He's almost like the narrator of this film in a way in that he's he's the one along with the professor that's foreboding, talking about ancient evils and physical matter, um, atoms, subatomic particles, the ancient orders that were there to protect us, you know, versus evil. Um but after the first half of the film, he's not much of a presence in this movie. No. Um, so I, I'm actually a couple things with in terms of these two artworks that I want to compare. On the the semi older one that that people probably would have bought like in the late '90s, early 2000s. <laughs> that was this just feels like a bad Photoshop job with Alice Cooper's face on there. This is like feels like early Photoshop days, and there's too much emphasis on Alice Cooper for that yeah. first poster you're talking about. Um, but and then the next one they use Alice Cooper great, but I feel like Donald Pleasance is too much of a it, of a presence. I it, mean, I mean they're saying, "Hey guys, you liked him in Escape from New York. Yeah. You liked him in uh, the Halloween movies. Hey, we've got him here again." I, I get the marketing. I just don't think he should be the centerpiece on this poster. I think you have uh, Marsh and you have, um, what's her face? The the woman, the main woman. I think you those should be the center. So I would even be fine if they were all equally going across because our professor belongs up there too, not just Donald yeah. Pleasance. So that's my issue with the collector's edition and release poster that yeah. you're talking about. Now... The next two I'm going to comment on, too. What, what do we've got for the next two posters? So it looks like maybe this poster was one that was probably out first. Yes, and 100%. It, it just says a new film from John Carpenter. Master of um, Terror and Suspense. Yeah. 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 And, that, and that's actually, I'll just say it right now. That's my favorite one because it puts the emphasis on the evil being unleashed from the bowels of this ch- old church. Yeah. Um, what about the next one? This one seems very generic to me. It is. It it has the, again, it's playing off of this blue sky and the red sky. Yeah. And it has the people surrounding the church and you see the cityscape in the background. Yeah. So it's more just about ominous. Yeah. It's funny whenever they throw a cityscape on a poster, cause it's like, this has worldwide implications um, but it's not really about anything outside of this church. Yeah. I mean, we, we know what will happen after evil has been unleashed, but it, it's almost kind of like that feels forced a little bit to me. I think it's trying to sell a containment. So I'm not thrilled with the posters except for the original one. I felt like they could have stuck with the original um, use those colors actually to me are more vibrant than this reddish 
green teal. I don't even know what you call that blue or teal or whatever. Aqua. It is. Aqua. Not a fan. The green, I get what they were doing with the collector's edition. But um, I, I, I just, I like the colors. I like the late 80s colors of that one poster that we're talking about. Um, look, I didn't discover this movie until I was in college, actually. Really? Like, I knew about it. I heard about it and was honestly never interested at the time. Never interested. There To me, by the time I entered college, there was like four... Like, I was always into horror, but John Carpenter was like, oh, yeah, I know. Halloween, The Thing, Escape from New York, Big Trouble in Little China. That That was pretty much... The Prince of Darkness and They Live. I don't know why. These two movies never appealed to me. And ne- they never appealed to me until I got a little bit older. You know, I don't think I saw They Live until I was older. Yeah. But definitely I saw Prince of Darkness probably when I was a teenager. And what's funny to me is too, like both of these movies, They Live especially, and maybe Prince of Darkness to a, a slightly lesser in-your-face degree, have the social messaging um one's got religious good versus evil messaging the the other one's got you know corporate corruption and and all things that are extremely relevant today um and i loved dawn of the dead and i loved the social messaging there the consumerism there Mm -hmm. so i got the social thing but this still did not appeal to me until i was older but if i was just browsing through a store that original one would catch my eye now like it'll be like oh this is an another carpenter one i why did i miss this one we got to check this out now that's me at going on 40 yeah. but i could that have that look been lost in the shuffle for me at the video store it obviously was it just yeah. never i heard people talking about it you gotta see i'm like yeah I've seen Carpenter. Here's my four Carpenter movies, and I've seen it a million times over. I'm I'm good. I don't need any See, more Carpenter. I think I'm more of the Carpenter fan. I think you are, but I like... There's ones that you and I love. Yeah. There, there's... Someday we'll review Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> That's not really a horror movie. That There's some elements that are horror adjacent. Supernatural. Pretty... More. Yeah, it's... It's fairly far away from horror. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's an action. There, there's some no, there's some like spooky moments, but that's there's. Listen, you all know Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> that that's probably our favorite Carpenter movie, right? Yeah, that's like a five well, out of five for well, me. Well, between for me, the thing and that are right. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. The thing and that Escape from New York is like a close second. Okay, um, and we, we'll talk more about this yeah. this stuff later. I, I don't want to spoil your yeah, section yeah, later, yeah. but uh, what about you? What's your so favorite poster I out of all this? I actually do prefer the collector's edition. Yeah. Here's the thing about those collector editions. Like, what is it? Like the Shout Factory or Scream Factory? There's like a couple different factories there. But um, they tend to do the same look across uh-huh. all the Carpenter things. I mean, they, like they took the Halloween movies and they've got... They've got Loomis's and Jamie's face kind of up in the clouds surrounding them. Do you know what I would have preferred on the poster? What's that? And it would have been kind of a spoiler, but I still would have preferred it. The mirror scene. Her reaching out and him trying to grab her. It could have even just been the devil's hand. It doesn't necessarily have to be her. Because like the mirror is super, super important from start to finish. Um, But anyways, yeah, no, I no look, it's a good look. I'm. 
I am nitpicking this um, a little bit today, but no. So what about what's what are we going to talk about next? Taglines? Yeah. So there was only really two I could find. Yeah. So well, I I I you you did me a favor and you took over this episode guide. So I I spent some time on alternate taglines. Okay. All right. So I'll read the taglines. Okay. This, so the oh so we're not this is the original tagline. The lines. original tagline. Got yes. it. Okay. What's Where up? are you? Christ. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. You said that last one with an exclamation or a period. It's still a oh, question. Sure. Where are you? Christ? I don't know. That's kind of awkward. Yeah, it is. It's actually kind of hard to read. It that. is. The right? way they have two question questions marks. in a row. Because it's like, where are you? Ellipses? Yeah. Question mark? <laughs> Why? And then Christ? <laughs> Maybe it's like, where are you? Christ? Yeah. Oh, you know, like maybe they heard a noise and like, Christ, is that you? Yeah. <laughs> you sounded so annoyed. Where are you? Christ. <laughs> I don't know how you're supposed to read that. It, it's awkward. It's an, I'm not a fan of that one at all. <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. Before man walked the earth, it slept for centuries. It is evil. It is real. It is awakening. Yeah, I mean that that's good. That's good. It, it and it explains what's happening. There's something ancient, there's evil and now oh shit. Man's in for it. Yeah. Um okay, now let's have a little bit of fun with the taglines. Okay. All right. Do you want me to No, no, you go first. Okay. You 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 lead the way. This is um for those of you that are just tuning in, you know, or new to DFM, we're starting to do this more and more where we're taking a a few minutes to create our own alternate tagline so we've gotten some feedback that people really enjoy it so. yeah and i i would say my favorite one as of late was actually last episode where um <laughs> i went a little Ca- nuts carrie no you had fun with it though <laughs> carrie was talking about she made up an alternate tagline for friday the 13th part three or f13 3d and she's like her alternate tagline she created was Come for, and the way you said it too, come for the yo-yo, stay for the kills. That's one of my favorite ones you've created lately. That, and that was the, I thought that was the weakest one. No, that one. Yeah, like, were you going for a laugh there? You just, you just were being nutty. I was just being nutty. It's, okay. It's not my favorite one in it. The three, the 3D specifically. So I will, I'll let you read the alternate tagline, okay. the first one you have, because I feel like you were in the same headspace here when you created this one. Okay. Okay. When evil takes a physical form from green goo to you. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a, like a children's toy commercial. From green goo to you. Um, I like that one a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, it's taking you over. It's It's doing this little green goo shot in your mouth that's kind of kind of uh, sexualized a little bit <laughs> wouldn't you say it's kind of sexual whatever it, it happens it definitely feels like a penetration i'll tell you that um what, what before i dig myself a hole yeah. what, what are the next ones be careful what you are studying you never know where the path will lead i like that i was hoping you were going to use the school angle because i kind of did that too a little bit okay cool i i like that one too okay this is the last one what would you do in the face of evil would you sacrifice yourself? Nope, I'd sacrifice somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
That's a very big question. And I see that you did two questions in a row too, just like they did. Yeah, but mine makes more sense. What would you, it does. What would you do in the face of evil? Would you sacrifice yourself? I even, even if you just would have said, what would you do in the face of evil? Cause that's almost like, that's like a mirror. It's almost like you're looking in the mirror. What would you do in the face of evil? I don't know. No. In the mouth of madness. <laughs> Um, okay. Here's, here's me. Okay. You know, I like to create like a long winded one. Yes. Okay. I'll try to do my, uh, trailer guy voice or my imitation of him. Okay. Man knows very little outside of the limits of science and religion they created for themselves tonight in an abandoned church. A group of students will push those boundaries and man, uh, wait a minute. I screwed that up. <laughs> I have a typo. Okay, let's do it. Let's do it again. Man knows very damn it, Carrie. Man knows very little outside of the limits of science and religion they created for themselves. It's almost like I'm saying in a Lance Henriksen voice. <laughs> Tonight in an abandoned church, a group of students will push those boundaries, and man's existence will never be the same again. I yeah. like that. Mirror, mirror on the wall. What reality shall it befall? Ooh, I like that one. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's end the prayer there. <laughs> you went the religious angle. Nice. I did. <laughs> nice. Because there's not just the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's somebody on the other side of that mirror. Oh, yeah. Okay, we are moving right along to physical media and streaming. <laughs> no, so the, tra- the, tra- the trailer guy needs a break. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I probably should add coffee with this episode, physical media and streaming. Okay, guys, this is one. If you're going to dip into your wallet for this one, uh, listen, I know there's the people out there that go for the 4k. I am not there. Even if I felt like I had a larger entertainment budget than I already do, I can't, let me put it this way. I could, but I am not willing to spend 25, $30 to have 4k. Uh, we don't even have, we have one TV that does 4K. Yeah. Um, but that's the TV. That's streaming. Yeah. We don't have a 4K player in our house. No. We've got the Blu-rays going. We've got a couple Blu-rays. But um, I this is 30 bucks, guys, for a 4K. Honestly, you I think you're better off doing it, doing the Blu-ray. If you're going to spend 11 bucks, 12 bucks on the DVD, two more dollars gets you the Blu-ray. You're going to get a little bit better of a quality. I think this is one of those movies that you need a little grit on it to watch. Well, well, if you're going to do that, then get the VHS tape. Because <laughs> <laughs> truthfully, I mean, we're, you, you do get to the point where you're saying, okay, this DVD, this is a nice, I can see things pretty well, pretty well. Blu-ray, you're like, okay, now I'm seeing some things that I didn't see before. There's a little bit more definition. Okay. This is a very dark movie. And I'm it not is. talking about like the content. I'm talking about what's in the background, yeah. the the lighting that's in the yeah. movie, the way the movie's lit, the shadows. And I, there's I got certain you. things that are supposed to be in the dark. Here's the great thing, guys, too. If you're if you've watched like what people consider the main carpenters, if you're like, Yeah, I've seen Halloween, everybody's seen Halloween. If I've seen the thing and escape room, but you're like, Oh, I, I wanna start I've watched kind of like the main four that everybody watches. I haven't seen Prince of Darkness or They Live yet. If you've got Amazon, 
it's it's on Prime right now. You can stream it, no cost. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you might want to dip in. You could probably find some on eBay for like five, five, seven, eight bucks if you really got to own that physical media. But if if you're unsure, um, it's about also this on one, Peacock. Yeah, I mean, you if you've got, um, you know, it's funny to me. I still can't get into like. I can't get into the YouTube subscription. I'm just not there. I don't know. Maybe some people that's for them. Maybe there's a show on there, but I can't get into it. I mean, if you've got Apple TV, if you've got Redbox, Voodoo, Peacock, you can stream those. It is on prime. Um, So, and and actually it looks like, it looks like it might might actually cost you like four bucks to rent this. So my bad. Check out, check out your favorite streaming platforms during October though. Cause a lot of the times it'll say watch now options. And then you'll think, Oh, this is going to cost me four three seventy nine 79 or whatever it is to rent. Make sure you check out the watch now options. Cause sometimes you might have something that'll make it available. Even if it's with Tubi with ads, you know, it, it might be worth it. Yeah. Um, we are going to move right along. Let's let's talk creators. Okay. And I think there's a lot that has been said about Carpenter over time, both as a director and somebody who scores. And writer. And a writer and everything. Okay. I mean, guys, you know John Carpenter's filmography. Um, let's talk a little bit about Carpenter in terms of the ones that don't get as much discussion. Mm-hmm. The, uh, I, I feel like the Prince of Darkness and They Live is like this middle tier. It's like, here's the main ones that everybody talks about. Um, and, and I actually would say Christine is in this tier with it those is, two movies because too. Because it's not even, I, I knew he did Christine, but it wasn't even listed on an area that I was looking. I was like, what? He did Christine. So like, that's how much that it's not talked about. So here's the weird thing too. He's done so much. It's like people will say, oh yeah, here's my favorite Carpenter movies. But then you say, oh shit, guys, don't forget about The Fog. Yeah. Okay. That was a that really slips, well done movie. That one slips a lot of conversations. I have not heard anybody recently say, oh yeah, The Fog's one of my top three Carpenter films. Or Christine is one of my top three Carpenter films. Um, or guys, let's go back even further. Uh <laughs> Assault on Precinct 13 is another yeah. that's the original. A classic. Yeah, that's a classic. Um, he didn't direct Halloween 2 or Halloween 3, but he helped write Halloween 2. He had the anthology idea. Um, he did the scores for both of those movies. Um, I mean, his fingerprints are all over the late 70s to the late 80s. We can't forget about Memoirs of an Invisible Man. I'm not a huge fan of that movie. It's, I, I've got my reasons for that. I know. I will tell you one movie that you listed here that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have started enjoying more over time. No, it's not Vampires. But the last couple times I watch them, I'm like, wow, I enjoyed this a lot more than I remember. Escape from L.A. Yeah. I, I actually really have come to like Escape from L.A. quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. And it's really funny how some of those themes, as goofy as that movie can get, and it, it's still dark. It's not as bleak as Escape from New York. I mean, it's bleak, but Escape from New York is really bleak. There's themes in there that 
censorship and everything people are still pushing for today yeah (laughs) it's like you're really gonna outlaw red meat there's people trying that you're really gonna outlaw cigarettes there's people trying there's people there government i'm not gonna go on a political spiel i promise i promise or else i'm gonna have to hit the (laughs) i got it ready listen I am for everybody's freedoms all the time, and that's all I'm going to say. So now, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. So now, Carrie, before I get myself into another hole, <laughs> what do you want to talk about in terms of, of John Carpenter? <sighs> what, what, what else do you want to so add to the mix? M- my probably earliest movie that I've seen of Carpenter, Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, I remember watching that with my dad. When it came on like HBO uh, back in the day when HBO was included with your cable, at least in our area. John Carpenter does characters really well. And stories. Very memorable characters. Yeah, the, of course. But it's just like, what do you think about when you think of it? Like you've got, he's got his own little acting company of usual suspects that he likes oh, to use. Yeah, for sure. And you've got them here again in this movie. Yeah. He obviously loves to use Pleasance. He he loves to use um, Dennis Dunn, obviously. Yeah, he, Victor he, Wong. Yeah, Victor Wong. Um, now, there's a lot of newcomers yes. to this movie that he hasn't used before. But there's a common thread I saw. Yeah. Now, Peter Jason was in this one, the one um, professor that's with the audio mm-hmm. students. What is what? What's their field? Is it just audio visual or what was that? It was there like was sound a couple, technicians. There was basically. some engineers. Maybe maybe it was sound engineers. There were some engineers. There was some religious. There were some. It was um, physics, yeah. metaphysics. Yes, it, it was a, a ton of different departments. But the 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 one guy where he he's got the guy setting up the equipment, the audio equipment and whatnot. Peter Jason um, is Dr. Paul Lee. Uh, he's in uh, They Live, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kind of like, he wasn't there for some of the earlier Carpenters, but he caught on yeah. towards the back half of the 80s with Carpenter. So in another one, I want to bring up that I really, and I didn't realize when I saw this movie that it was Carpenter. This movie? No. What's that? Starman. Oh yeah, I love Starman. Yeah, I love that movie. I mean, that—that's. I would argue that's as furthest away from horror as. I mean, there's no. It's not horror at all. It's part one part sci-fi, one part drama, comedy. Yeah. Uh, but adventure, maybe a little yeah. bit. But yeah, I, I like Starman. Um, yeah. So those are my earliest, probably, and then Christine, and then the thing. Or The Thing and then Christine. Yeah. So I'm at a point with Carpenter that I hope he does come out with some new stuff. Like, I don't want to see him. I would be fine. Like, there was rumors over the past year about him doing a sequel to The Thing. I think that would be really hard unless he had the pedigree of actors to continue on from a a movie that he's already done. Um, I, I, I would like to see something completely new from him. Just hold that thought. Yeah. Hold that thought for... Okay, I'm listening. Section two. Okay. Oh, I see. Okay. Yes. Got yeah. it. All right. All right. So, yeah, the usual suspects, Donald Pleasance, um, Victor Wong, Dennis Dunn. Um, we've got uh, Jameson Parker mm-hmm. plays our main guy here. Lisa Blunt's the main woman. Um, 
And we've got Susan Blanchard to round out some of the students, Anne-Marie Howard, and Yen Ken Wright. Um, we've got Dirk Blocker as Mullins, Jesse Lawrence Ferguson, Calder. I, I've already mentioned Peter Jason, Robert Grasmere, um, Tom Bray, Joanna Merlin. And, of course, we've got uh, Betty Ramey as a nun and Alice Cooper as the street schizo. Yeah. So you were right. Um, yeah. It's interesting that they call right. him street schizo. I mean, just street walker, street hobo, or, or just homeless it man. Could, yeah, it could Homeless have been... man number one. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that would have been more accurate, homeless man, because, like you said, he didn't speak. Yeah. Um, Carrie, let's talk about Donald Pleasance. Go ahead. What do you want to say about All him? All right. So just some of the things that we know him for that There's I've There's one on I've here listed. you mentioned. I'm glad you did because I forgot about it. Go ahead. Okay. Escape from New York, obviously. Of course, yeah. Halloween and hey, Halloween. Hey, the Duke, hey, number yeah. one. Halloween 2. And he was in other Halloween movies, but those are the ones that we prior primarily remember yeah. him from. What's your, what, now that we're on Donald Pleasance, um, what is your favorite Donald Pleasance, like from which movie? Uh, uh, which uh, Loomis do you like the most? I, I like the original. See, I like him in part two. I think he's the most Loomisy in part two. He's really like, okay, I've already gone through a full night of murders. Yeah. He's escaped. And like, I would argue that he's almost just as maniacal as uh, Michael Myers is in this movie. Well, yeah, it's, it, he sees it as I'm going to end this. Yeah. One way or another, even if it costs his life, you know, um, can you imagine seeing Halloween two when it first came out and that ending because you're like, Oh shit. shit. Michael's dead. And Dr. Loomis is dead. This is how this ends. Yeah. The end. There's not going to be any more. Oh, Halloween 3 is coming out. They're going a different route now. No more Michael Meyer. Now, a lot of people didn't know that. This wasn't the days of the internet. So when Halloween 3 came out, a lot of people were pissed when they was like, oh, there's a new Halloween movie. What the fuck is this? But we love it. We mean, mean, we love it. But imagine like they killed off Michael Myers and Loomis like this. And this is what we get now. Yeah. (laughs) uh but that that's anyways i'm gonna go yeah, off track you are there gonna on go off halloween too which is my favorite halloween anyway sorry okay. go ahead so you have the great escape which is a great movie oh there's a ton of there's yeah. a ton of um i mean he, he was a bond villain too yeah yeah i think they only live twice or once or something i don't know <laughs> one of those movies I, I three think... times james bond <laughs> uh no i actually think um you keep going okay so he was also in a movie that you showed me recently, The Monster Club. Oh, that's a great one with that, Donald yeah. Pleasance and the, the whole monster chart. Yeah. Yep. And All Quiet on the Western Front. Yeah. You you want to know what... Um, I think... I think Pleasance was in... What was it? Thunderball, maybe? Um... You only live twice. That's, that's right. That, yeah. You only live twice. You were right. Yeah. Good job. Hey, there we go. Good job, Carrie. <laughs> Donald Pleasance. Okay, what else we got? So I, just something to note. Did you know that he had over 200 filmographies? Well, he had one filmography and well, 200 films. Two, <laughs> I meant 200 films. Donald Pleasance is a part of the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it's all these filmographies. 
I'm like the, like Doctor Strange sifting through all these multiverse filmographies of alternate Donald Pleasance. And then he looks at you and he's like, what's the outcome of Donald Pleasance filmographies? And Doctor Strange looks at you and just gives you one. He's only got one filmography, Carrie. <laughs> Wrong choice of words. 200 filmographies. <laughs> Are you telling me that he's been re- resurrected 200 times? What version of Donald Pleasance do we get? <laughs> this one, obviously. <laughs> there's, a, there's a multiverse where he's James Bond. <laughs> Don't spit out your coffee, Carrie. Oh, my God. Did it go up your nose? No. Oh, damn it. I need to try better next time. <laughs> <laughs> okay sorry well okay. i hit that xylophone we are way <laughs> off track sorry guys it's your fault <laughs> it's your fault this time let the record show okay all right is there anything else that you want to say about donna pleasance at this time oh you've said plenty <laughs> 200 <laughs> filmographies worth <laughs> all right oh. Oh. rock and roll man <laughs> Okay. Does anybody else have more than one lifetime of films? <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh. Exactly. This is the Prince of Darkness. God is damned. All right. All right. So moving on. Victor Wong. If we're going to cover 200 filmographies, <laughs> we're going to need a lot longer than two and a half hours. We might top last week's episode. <laughs> Hit that three hour mark. We'll spare you people and move on to Victor Wong, who is known for Big Trouble in Little China. Tremors, Prince of Darkness, of course, seven years in Tibet. Oh, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. What? One of my favorites. Okay, the Beauty and the Beast TV series. Yes. I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh- Come on. Not a TV series, yes. the movies, but I don't, don't know about the TV that? series. Do I look like the demographics for the Beauty and the Beast <sighs> TV series to you? It was... Joy Luck Club. Is this something else that you watched? Yes. Joy Luck Club. It's a book, first uh, of all. Okay, well, I didn't watch the book or read it. <laughs> well, I read the book and I watched it. I said watch the book. <laughs> I can watch the book. I just won't read it be a very very a very boring activity just sit here and watch this okay. book the beauty and the beast series tv series with linda don't hamilton be, don't be so oh come on that, oh that yeah. wait sh- wait i don't know why i'm shushing <laughs> who plays the beast in that that was um wasn't it um your your dude from hellboy ron perlman yeah, yeah ron perlman yeah. that's right i yeah, love yeah, 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 this yeah, yeah. tv yeah. series no, no 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 that was good my mom loved that I was gonna say. No, my mom loved that, and I actually remember. Um, was it on at night? Yes. Because I actually remember as a little boy falling asleep to it sometimes. That and uh, Moonlighting, I would fall asleep to uh-huh. those two shows yep. with um, Sybil Shepherd and, and uh, Bruce Willis. I was about to say with Sybil Danny. <laughs> <laughs> In the pale, pale light. You have that uh, pale, forever pale light of the moon. Bogdan. <laughs> Bach? Is there a symphony? No, I'm thinking about Bach beer. Oh, so wow. Remember. You're getting German on me. Okay. <sighs> oh, my. Hit that xylophone again. This is ridiculous at this point. Christ. Okay. 
Moving on to Dennis Dunn, yes. who I really would like to see in another Carpenter movie. I loved loved him in here in, in Big Trouble in Little China. He played a little bit of a jerk in this movie. <laughs> but. Like, you know Dennis Dunn personally has become a jerk in real life. Uh, he was part of an Academy Award winning movie, actually, recently. Really? Yeah. Uh, what was that one? Like, the reality of ever... What was that called? Um... Keep keep going, and I'm going to look it up. Okay. Um, so he's known for Big Trouble in Little China, of course. Prince of Darkness. Year of the Dragon. Oh, you know what? He actually was in The Last Emperor, too. Remember that oh, movie? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Stone. was Victor Wong. Yeah. Um, something Everywhere, Everything, All at Once, oh, or whatever that's we, called. That's on my Here, list there, to watch. and everywhere, Redfish, Bluefish. Yeah, that's that's on my list to watch. <laughs> it's on your list. List. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god people i'm so sorry it's it's on your little list it's on your list um on my wrist what <laughs> listen please just don't go into a deep dive in dennis dunn and jag episodes no just just hear me out there's oh a god. theme here oh jeez okay so he was on an episode of charmed oh two wait a minute that's two out of the past three episodes that the Charm TV show has come up. Okay. I, I've had enough of Charm now, please. He was an episode of The Nanny. Okay. <laughs> two episodes of Jag. Okay. You jag off. One episode of the Beauty and the Beast TV series. Really? Yeah. Him and... What, what, Victor Wong and Dennis Dunn were both in the Beauty and the Beast TV series with yeah. Linda Hamilton and Ron Perlman? Yeah. I don't think that at is... the same time. <laughs> <laughs> don't go there carrie don't go there this is quite the revelation for this podcast just wait. Okay. <laughs> just wait okay all right all right there's a theme i have just you gotta wait till the end though yeah you always have a theme so jameson parker moving on tale as old as time <laughs> that was not in the tv series what no no it wasn't because it's not disney yes they hadn't written the song yet <laughs> <laughs> all right what else do we got jameson parker he's known for prince of darkness mm-hmm. four episodes of jag you or... don't have to keep saying the people we're talking about in prince of darkness are known for prince of darkness <laughs> you don't have to keep mentioning Fuck it. you we know what we're talking about <clears throat> one episode of magnum pi good on you jameson parker i love magnum pi not the new one, the new Two one. Two episodes of Murder, she wrote. Okay. One episode of Major Dad. <laughs> Major Dad. I like how in the Prince of Darkness episode, Major Dad in the Beauty and the Beast 80s TV series comes into play. So let's move on to Lisa Blunt. Okay. And yes, we know, Carrie, that she's in Prince of Darkness. Did you know she was in An Officer and a Gentleman? I absolutely do. She was the entrapment woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the friend. Um, yeah, Blind Fury... One episode of Picket Fences. Mm-hmm. One episode of Murder, she wrote. Let me let me tell you something, though, okay, about Lisa Blunt. Because if you are a horror fan, you've, you've got to know a little bit more about Lisa Blunt than just an officer and a gentleman. Okay. Okay, are you listening I'm to listening. this? I'm listening. Okay, because there was a TV series of Starman that she was in. Ah, okay. okay. All right. Now, she was also in the movie Slapshot. 
wait, I have that in there. Okay. Well, she was also, did she? Have, did you have that she was in the movie uh, Dead and Buried? No. No, you didn't. That's important. Okay. Uh, <laughs> did you mention she was in Radioactive Dreams? No. Did you mention that she's in Moonlighting? Yes. I figured you would. Did you mention that she was in Annihilator? No. Well, then you need to point out the eclectic mixture of her one filmography, Carrie. <laughs> <laughs> she was in an episode of Magnum P.I. Did too. you tell people that she was in Great Balls of Fire, Carrie? No. Oh, yeah. See, you're not going to give Jerry Lee Lewis's due. All right. I she see was in an be. uncredited role as the chief spam member in Slapshot. Did you talk which about was the filmed. uncredited role of her in Needful Things? I think not. <laughs> I'll raise your uncredited with another uncredited. <laughs> did you just fucking shush me? <laughs> I did. <sighs> All right. Slapshot. That's I just Where was said Slapshot, Slapshot filmed? <laughs> is this rhetorical? Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. Shitstown, Pennsylvania. <laughs> wow. You're so protective of Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Yawnstown. Come on. Uh, you come on that's enough lisa blunt let's move on there is good wings there (laughs) um alice cooper yeah hey carrie he's known for prince of darkness (laughs) 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 uh we we know we we know okay okay wait wait a second i'm reading this episode guide okay i'm reading this episode guide you listen jake mentions him Yes, he does the one track for the Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Okay. Yes, he's in Dark Shadows as himself. Uh, I do recall him on the 70s show episode. Um, But really, if you're talking about Alice Cooper on the Dime for Midnight podcast, Carrie, what's one thing that you must know? Wait, wait. No, 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 no. We all know he's in Wayne's World as himself. In one episode of Monk. Feed my Frankenstein. But this is, this surprised me. (laughs) (laughs) Of course you would bring this up. Okay. Three episodes of Mickey and the Rose the Racers (laughs) as Alistair Coopdeville. Oh my God. Alistair Coupe DeVille. That's yeah. a very classy voiceover yes. character name. And I'm sorry, but <laughs> and our, you know, Zombie Toots love, love, still loves Mickey and the Rooster Racers. Yeah, I was a little surprised we were watching that still. <laughs> That's a kindergarten show. Okay. Well, he yeah. has fond memories of it. Yep. Okay. Uh, what about Ann Yen, who is also known <laughs> for Prince of Darkness, Scary? <laughs> <laughs> One episode of In Living Color. And two episodes of what? As the world turns. Okay. Just one world, not multiverses. <laughs> As one world with one set of... Wait a minute. No, not one set. Just one filmography. God, you fucked me up this episode. Peter Jason, who is also an Prince of Darkness. Yes, but he was in They Live and Escape from L.A. I like that you uh, caught the four episodes of Arrested Development. I, he was. I didn't know he was an episode of Mad Men. Yep. Um, dude, he did voice acting in Pinky and the Brain. Yes, he did. <laughs> of course, as it feels like half the people we talk about on this podcast were in the Murder She Wrote show. Yes. Okay. And All right. Jag. Let's move on now that we've talked about people in Beauty and the Beast and Moonlighting and 
Major jag. dad and jag. And Magnum P.I. Your dad is a major jag. Your major dad is a major jag. Uh, what about favorite character, Carrie? Because we're, we're going to lose it yeah. here. So <laughs> my favorite character is Victor Wong as Professor Howard Brock, for sure. I love that he's a professor. It feels like a continued role from Big Trouble in Little China, let's face it. Yeah. Um, the subtle ways that he plays the role, it's just amazing. You can tell he went all in. Yeah. It's kind of like a wild-eyed, well, scientist, as a matter of fact. he's um, He's got like a little bit of um, like Emmett Brown from Back to the Future, like crazy-eyed look about him. I don't know why. I, I just like, I, I love the knowledge that his character has and the very, a lot of foreboding with his character. Yeah. Um, and the thirst for knowledge. Yes. Some knowledge can be, should be kept in the container. <laughs> Container. Container or canister. <laughs> My gosh. Hey, I'm going with Lisa Blunt as Catherine. Um, people like to talk about Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong a lot with this movie. People bring up, hey, Donald Pleasance is back. But the women actually have the important parts in this role. I think a lot of the gore and effects would go away. If you didn't have that one woman converted with her face, like melting off, basically father. Yeah. Okay. Kelly. Yeah. If you didn't have Kelly, this movie wouldn't be nearly as fun. And Lisa Blunt. I mean, she's the centerpiece to the story. Mm -hmm. She really is. Her and Marsh. Yeah. So I, I just, I, that's my favorite character out of it. especially with the whole uh, mirror bit. So let's move on to favorite death and effects. I will lead off. Okay. I'm going to go with the insect death in the parking lot. Um, I just think him collapsing, like his body basically like just deflating as all the creepy crawlies come out. It's biblical. Um, it's a sign of the apocalypse. So if you're talking about this being part of Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy, I'm going with something that was very biblical. Um, and it's not your typical type of death. It was um, the, the ladies are looking out the window as the computer is like going nuts typing and... I just like that one there. It like goes from where is everybody to what the fuck is happening to this yeah. guy on the parking lot. Um, and, and I know you like that effect too. I do. I do. That's my favorite effect as well. Um, you know, that scene always makes my skin crawl. Yeah. Um, but my favorite death is when Alice Cooper kills Tom Bray with his own bike yeah yeah i mean jake mentioned that too that that's a very unique kill there's a ton of blood and it's just it's a really neat special effect yep now let's move on to favorite quotes or dialogue okay <coughs> this is not a dream not a dream we are using your brain's electrical system <laughs> as a receiver we are unable to transmit through conscious neural interference. You are receiving this broadcast as a dream. We are transmitting from the year 1999. Ooh, 12 years into the future from when you this are, movie came out. <laughs> you are receiving this broadcast in order to alter the events you are seeing. Our technology has not developed a transmitter strong enough to reach your conscious state of awareness. But this is not a dream. You are seeing what is actually occurring for the purpose of casualty violation. Causality violation. Oh, causality violation. Sorry. <laughs> It's just a casual violation. Don't mind us. There's something apocalyptic happening and somebody trying to come through this portal of hell. 
but never mind. We're casual about it. <laughs> my bad. <laughs> Causality, Carrie. Causality. Uh, my bad. That's an important term. Okay. <laughs> so, speaking of what I just mentioned, the computer going nuts. Yeah. <coughs> Carrie, the computer screen uh, is going haywire mm-hmm. what does it say you will not be saved by the holy ghost you will not be saved by the god plutonium in fact you will not be saved yes sounds like the devil's coming through and trying to communicate with this existence now what about professor edward barack because you you love him he's your favorite yes. character what's up with him so the outside world doesn't want to hear this kind of bullshit just keep it locked away You've already managed that for 2,000 years. And Father Loomis. <laughs> no Good pri- name. No prison can hold him now. Yes. And another one from Father Loomis. It, it just get colder in here. It just gets colder in here. <laughs> Suddenly. Use your words, Father <laughs> no. Loomis. Use your words, Father it's Loomis. It's very awkward. Suddenly, as if, as if something moved through the room. Yes. <clears throat> and I, and even though he's not my favorite character, <clears throat> he's got such good dialogue in here. Oh, his stage presence in, in here. Yeah, and well, I'm going with Professor Edward Brock. We're going to revisit him again. And I, and the it's funny, <clears throat> even though most of the effects are in the back half, it's actually the setup that's my favorite. The first half of this movie is my favorite part of the movie. The anticipation, them getting in the classroom, then having to get set up in the church and like... Just the lead up and the build up, <clears throat> the foreboding, the the discussions, the the religious, philosophical, scientific discussions they have leading up sets the tone throughout this movie and kind of starts creeping you out slowly. In the beginning, we're we're greeted by Professor Edward Brock in the classroom, and he's saying, "Let's talk about our beliefs and what we can learn about them. We believe nature is solid and time a constant." Matter has substance and time and direction. There is truth in flesh and the solid ground. The wind may be invisible, but it's real. Smoke, fire, water, light. They're different, not as to stone or steel, but they're tangible. And we assume time is narrow because it is as a clock. One second is one second for everyone. Cause precedes effect. Fruit rots. Water flows downstream. We're born. We age. We die. The reverse never happens. None of this is true. Say goodbye to classical reality because our logic collapses on the subatomic level into ghosts and shadows. (laughs) Because it's true. If you're talking about subatomic particles, there's things that happen at the molecular level that defy logic and our reality. What's happening to this day to you and I right now on the subatomic level, if it were to carry over into this level, <laughs> shit would go down real fast. Yeah. So there's a very thin line between logic as we know it and something that we can't wrap our heads around. Yeah. Can we just talk for a minute? That creeps me out. <laughs> Can we just talk for a minute about the transference of the green goo from one person to another? 
You already know how I feel about how it happens. It goes right into the women's mouth, and it's very sexual to me. It just is. It is. Like, they could have had it happen. Like It could have like, gone off their just, nose. It just squirts in their face, and that's how they get it. And that's not sexual? Into their mouth is even more sexual. <laughs> Listen, about, it doesn't have to hit anybody in the face. Let's be clear here. Does it really have to do that? Yeah. I'm not going there, Carrie. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. All right. No, no, before I dig myself a third hole this episode, you just talk and I'll listen. (laughs) So we're moving on to rating. Wait a second, you were about to make a point. I (laughs) made my point. Can we talk about the green goo and then I I point and I interjected and now I made my point. Now you're done. I made it for you, is that what you're saying? Yeah. (laughs) You didn't say what your point is though. Well, Okay, with everything happening that had happened with COVID, if you made this movie <laughs> today, would you still have that transference the same way or would it be different transference? There's plenty of new horror movies that have goo going into people's mouths and faces and everything like that. I see where you're going with that, but eh, it wor- it obviously works. We're still here in 2023 talking about it. So <laughs> you can see now I'm avoiding the subject because I'm just going to go down a very nasty path. <laughs> Carrie, what are you rating? So I rate this a four out of five. Okay. For me, it's highly rewatchable. I've watched this movie so many times. I love the dream aspect and, of course, the time travel element mixed with the mystery. And I know it's not time travel per se. It's supposed to be physics, metaphysics. I, I get it. You know, it is it, it really well then, well. then that subatomic level, if it's unleashed on this level, there can be time travel. Yeah. So they're communicating through time. So but time it does is not, get unleashed. It, it's yeah. not a constant. Yes. So you have that. It's a casual. <laughs> <laughs> it's just some casual subatomic shit going on. Causality, Carrie. Okay. Causality. Damn it. Okay. It really reminds me of one of my favorite movies, you know, in, in the end. <laughs> I swear I'm not going to go there. <laughs> the Green Goo reminds me of some of my favorite movies. <laughs> All right, go ahead. <laughs> now, this is going to be completely off the wall. Okay. Legend. Why does it remind you of Legend? Because in the end of Legend, you have the devil saying, without me, there would be no, you cannot have dark without light. You know what, too? That's a very literal comparison, too, because the devil's hand at the end yeah. of this movie is like reaching yeah. out. And it almost looks like Tim Carey's devil. Yeah. The hand it looks like the same I, type of I costumes. actually would have Legend and this Prince of Darkness as a double feature. That is so weird, but it works for some reason. Okay, <laughs> he escapes the realm of legend yeah. into this movie. Yeah. That's what happens. Yeah. So if you went through the mirror, you'd see Tom Cruise and his not Tom. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Tom Cruise and Mia. Tom, you'd see Mia Tom Sarah. Cruise in his flight suit running around <laughs> on a unicorn. <laughs> okay. All right. Wow. <laughs> Anything else about your rating? This four out of five. That's a very I, good rating. I get this warm and fuzzy feeling in the end. <laughs> Like, I want to see more. You don't know how bad I'm biting my tongue right now, folks. Fuck you. I get this really warm and fuzzy feeling every time I see that green goo. Fuck you. Uh, I mean, I want to see more of this story. 
you know, the dream sequence without the whole movie, it's just, or throughout the whole movie, it's a great tie-in. I want to see that. I want to see more of that You setting. want a sequel. Yeah. You want a Prince of Darkness sequel. I do. A lot of people do. Yeah. Me too. Me too. Okay, so I am actually going to give this a three and a half out of five. <clears throat> and let me add a little bit of thought to that is that I'm looking at this movie, Prince of Darkness, which is very good. It's very good. I have a hard time not sitting here and comparing it to my other John Carpenter horror movie or whatever viewing experience. It's just not high on my list of Carpenter films. I, and this is nitpicking. This is comparing Carpenter movies to other Carpenter movies. That's like saying, you know, I'm comparing a fantastic movie to an excellent movie. Yeah. Okay. It's, I'm really splitting hairs here, but I just don't like the number of characters in this movie. It feels like just a few too many. And I feel like we could, it could have been more claustrophobic if we would have had more time with fewer characters. It felt like in some ways they, they are shut into this church and that it's kind of a repeat of the thing situation um, where, yeah, it's not as subtle as like, oh, who's in, whose blood is infected? We don't know. They're acting the same until they're not. Well, this one, when they get infected, it's very outwardly obvious that something's they wrong with them. They act really can, weird. People can tell right away that there's something wrong and they've been infected with the green goo. Okay, so it's kind of like the thing light in that way. And I just don't relate to the characters we don't get to spend as much time with some of them some of there's so many students in this building at the beginning uh, some are on one level some are on a, another some are out in the parking lot and some are from the classroom some didn't come some are leaving early it it's like i could if you could have removed two or three characters and focus more like honestly dennis dunn's character needed more time <clears throat> donald pleasance probably could have used more time did I need as much time as I got with, let's say, um, Peter Jason's character? Probably not. Did I need as much time with, um, you know, Ann Yen? Probably not. Ken Wright? Probably not. Why do we spend so much time on Alice Cooper? I get it. It's the MTV generation. I want five or ten extra minutes well, to get to know some of these characters Alice a little Cooper bit more. wasn't supposed to be in the movie. Yeah. No, no, I get it. It's just I'm saying there's... I've got a little bit of a character issue with this movie. Uh, and it's a small one. It's a yeah. very small one. It's just, again, I'm putting it up against other Carpenter movies. So you know what that means, guys. Uh, Carrie loves it. I feel like it's very good. That means it gets a 3.75 out of 5 skull-splitting axes. Carrie, what do you have for us in segment two? So just some fun facts, uh, favorite Carpenter films, Carpenter movies we'd like to see for a sequel. Um, just the fun facts are based off the Prince of Darkness movie and its actors. Okay. Love you guys. See you for segment two.
anyone in close proximity has the same dream. What is it? A secret that can no longer be kept. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. There's a weird locking mechanism. Looks like it can only be opened from the inside. A life form is growing out of prebiotic fluid. It's not winding down into disorder. It's self-organizing. It's becoming something. What? Okay, guys, we are back for segment two, horror, etc., where Carrie is going to give us a little bit of additional information or trivia on John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. And the actors. <laughs> the actors, yeah. yes. So did you know that Donald Pleasance was going to originally play Blair in The Thing, but he couldn't? I did not know that. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine him in The Thing? So, I can. I could also imagine him not being in Prince of Darkness. I, I, it's Donald Pleasance steals a movie. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, I'm glad he's not in there because it just works as is. I, yeah. I can't explain it other than I'm, I'm glad that it worked out the way that it did. And, and we got to see other people in John Carpenter's acting company. Yeah. Did you know that he, Donald Pleasance also, he joined the British Royal Air Force? Now that I did know that he served and that he was taken prisoner under Nazis. Yes, I he did was. know that. I, I do recall listening to that on uh, commentary and that when he came out, he was so, he, he was so happy to be free and alive that he just dove in and took like anything, everything, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> no that one oops hit the mic yeah that one that one i did know and that's a good one there's a whole generation of actors that came out of world war ii that were just like ready to rock basically well i think they were just so glad to be alive that they were just like yeah i'm gonna do this i'm gonna mm-hmm. do this you know i've seen shit and i'm just gonna use it so <clears throat> dennis dunn i did not know this about him <clears throat> at all yeah, uh, I didn't as far either. as Big Trouble in Little China goes, I mean, he obviously did. So, so what you're telling me, he before Big Trouble in Little China, he didn't do any martial arts training. That's that's <clears throat> what it said. Because it looks like it looks when like he's, he's doing a his master. yeah, like some, like some of it. <laughs> okay, you're going into Mortal Kombat territory yeah. here, which was actually inspired by Big Trouble in Little China, um, the Three Storms inspired Raiden. Mm. <clears throat> but anyways, before we go on a Mortal Kombat kick. Um, 
some of the fighting is so outlandish and ridiculous and you could tell they're on wires and stuff like that which makes it fun um but then there are other moments when you just see regular fighting going on you could have put dennis dunn in a bruce lee movie and it would look like, oh, this is like one of Bruce Lee's students he put in his film, like all the others. Yeah. You wouldn't be able to tell. Like, no. he belongs. <clears throat> it looks like he's been doing it for like a couple decades at yeah. least. Yeah. Yeah. So he looks like was... a black belt in it. Yeah. I thought that was The way that he moves and everything. It doesn't look. Sometimes you watch a movie and you could tell that it's like, wow, this choreography is terrible. Um, and as I said, the outlandish part, I get that. But no, <clears throat> Dennis Dunn, I, I thought for sure the way that he moved seemed like he was a natural. Yeah. Okay, what else we got? So, Jameson Parker. <clears throat> oh, he's a Baltimorean, yeah. is he? Huh. Yeah, he was born in Baltimore in 1947. Nice. I thought okay. that was interesting. Okay, boomer. <laughs> next, next one, also about Jameson Parker. Okay. In 1992, he was shot twice by a neighbor near Ooh. his front condo uh, what over, happened to his back condo? <laughs> you mean near his front door yeah um over a dispute <laughs> about dog waste and uh-huh. his wife the guy was insulting his wife while she was walking dogs okay um the guy was released from well jameson parker was released from the hospital a day later but the man who shot him was charged with attempted murder and sentenced to nine years in state prison and I found the article um, from the Los Angeles Times. Mm, does it give a good amount of it detail? It does. It does. Okay. Why don't you Why don't you uh, just credit who's the author on this article? So uh, Tom Morzak. Morzak. Okay. And it's What's from the December date? December eleventh, nineteen ninety three. And and what newspaper is this again? Los Angeles Times. Okay. Let's read that. Go ahead. Since we credited him. Okay. So this is. Set in Van Nuys, uh, disregarding a plea for leniency, a judge Friday sentenced a Studio City man to nine years in state prison for shooting actor James Jameson Parker, <laughs> former star of the Simon and Simon television series, during a quarrel on the gunman's front porch. Uh, a Van Nuys Superior Court jury convicted Robert St. George, 53, of attempted murder for shooting Parker twice after the actor went to St. George's house on October 1st, 1992, to discuss lewd comments allegedly made to Parker's wife. Parker was shot once under the left arm and once in the back of his right arm. He was hospitals for one for one night. Hmm. Um, and this is in quotes. I keep seeing his face, the look of pure evil, as he pointed the cocked gun at my chest and said of my wife, she's a whore, Parker wrote in a letter submitted to the court. Damn. Judge Sandy Kriegler sentenced St. George, who could have received as much as 14 years after hearing an emotional plea from St. George that this was an unfortunate incident. I feel I'm as much a victim as Mr. Parker, maybe more, he said. After asking Kriegler to make special findings that could have kept St. George out of state prison, defense attorney Paul Takajian Mm-hmm. urged the judge to hand down a sentence of probation and mandatory psychological counseling. Frigler called St. George an enigma, contrasting a large outpouring community support for him with St. George's hostile and mean-spirited nature. During the trial, de- 
Deputy District Attorney Kathleen M. Caddy portrayed Parker as a man interested only in protecting his wife's honor after a neighbor made lewd comments to her as she walked the couple's dogs. Hmm. Parker testified that after angrily banging on the front door of St. George's Shadyside Avenue, res- Avenue residence, he saw St. George inside his darkened house with a gun. St. George opened the door, and after a short conversation, Parker was preparing to leave when St. George opened fire, according to <laughs> the testimony. Okay. After playing dead... Why dead, do I feel like there's drugs involved here somewhere? I, I don't know. <laughs> after playing dead near the porch, Parker ran to his nearby home, he said... Katie said St. George then used a hammer to batter his own front door and smash a sliding glass window in the back of the house, fabricating an attempted burglary. Holy shit. St. George also testified during the trial, contradicting nearly every aspect of Parker's testimony. He insisted that Parker was armed when he came to the house. St. George said he used a martial arts move to take the gun away from him, then fired by reflex. While acknowledging that Parker may have initially been the aggressor, Riggler said his actions in no way justified the shooting. Holy smokes. Yeah. I was like, what? That, that, that was like insane. Okay. Because like, you know, the little tidbit like, oh, yeah, there is dispute over the dog. Dude, there's a lot more than just the dispute over, over dog waste there. Okay. And saying something to your wife. Yeah. <clears throat> some gray area there. Yeah. Um, I mean, maybe there are some ar- other articles or testimony that's come out I'm not aware of. But holy smokes. Um, Hey, you know what's really cool when I was looking at this guide is some of your stuff on Alice Cooper. What do you you have on Alice Cooper? Yeah, so Alice Cooper apparently has this bracelet on his wrist, which can only be removed with a key that his wife owns. I thought that was really sweet and actually endearing. That is nice. That also could be something else. (laughs) I don't know. <laughs> well, he's he is a don't forget he became a born again Christian. Okay, I don't. I can't speculate what that silver bracelet. No, means. he actually became very religious. No, that I know, but it, it, do we know that that's connected to the silver bracelet at all? Well, it's it's a it's like a love. We like, don't know. It's <laughs> you're guessing. <laughs> basically, nobody can remove it besides his wife. No, I get who that. Has the key, but you're not. You know, people say you have the key to my heart. Well, it's like okay. she no, literally I, has a key to this bracelet that nobody can remove. I know, but, but you started talking about religion. So I wanted to know if the silver bracelet was connected. Well, I think what you were inferring was other tones, <laughs> okay. which is why I brought up the religion. Okay, got it. All right. So moving on. Did you know that Alice Cooper came out with Jake the Roberts? In Jake a wrestling the snake match. Roberts. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah. Carrying a huge snake. Nice. I I don't recall that at all. I there was only a three or five year period where I was really into wrestling. I, I don't. Jake the Snake was not part of whenever I uh, had watched it. My neighbors were really into wrestling, so every once in a while I caught while I was over there hanging out. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what about this impalement? Yeah. Kill that so he's apparently in? Alice Cooper. The the bike impalement trick prior, you know, to the movie, he apparently used on stage. Mm-hmm. And that the bike was his own personal prop. Nice. So that was he brought a little bit of himself to this role. Hmm. 
to like create it. one of my favorite kills. So I thought that was really interesting. That is neat. Yeah. Um, and the yeah, I mean, we we know the next one that you have listed. Yeah, I mean, we we know why Pleasance Wong and Dunn were in this. Yeah, he, they. they I, I'm I am glad that he brought them back. It does yeah help with the casting in this movie. It makes a lot of sense. But um, yeah. What about yeah? I mentioned this being part of the second part of the Apocalypse trilogy. Mm-hmm. We all know about the thing. The Mouth of Madness is not one that people talk about a lot no. as being part of their favorite. You know what else is one of my favorites is um. That one is mouth of in the mouth of madness does not have a lot of rewatchability for me, but no. um, I do like watching Ghost of Mars. Yeah, with Ice Cube, that one's grown on me a little bit yeah. over the to- over time. <clears throat> I actually like. I would pair up Ghost of Mars with Escape from L.A. That I could see that. Uh, some people said that um, Ghost of Mars happened. Because the whole um, Kurt Russell escape from Earth never happened. And mm. so that's why like he had a movie based in Mars. And you can actually almost kind of see how Snake ends up at some kind of situation that Ice Cube's character does in Escape from Earth. I was going to say Escape from Mars. <laughs> that <laughs> you, could, well you could actually see where Snake Plissken could be in that movie. Yeah, very much so. So... Yeah, is is Ghosts of Mars kind of like the third Snake movie we never got? I think in some ways you could argue that it is. Um, now, what's up? There's like some something about Deborah Hill, Carpenter's yeah, wife, associated yeah. with this. What about so it? the Prince of Darkness movie came to him based off a dream that Deborah Hill had. I did not and know the that. feeling that she had, <laughs> and when she described it. Um, he developed a story around it. Dang. So that's what this movie came from. I thought that was really neat. Good call, Carrie. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Okay. And that um, Prince of Darkness was shot in just over 30 days. I thought that was a really short timing, actually. Nice. Um, so we're about to wrap things up here with the uh, Prince of Darkness trivia. Let me just ask you this, Carrie, to, okay. to wrap things up. What is your favorite Carpenter film? I mean, we always talk about John Carpenter films. We we kicked off season one with the thing. What what is your favorite? I mean, I mean, I had okay. So my favorite is the thing. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely my favorite horror film. The cast, the music, the special effects. Uh, I mean, it's just it's just my favorite. It really is. And then I would have to say my next favorite probably is Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. You know, Big Trouble in Little China is my favorite. Um, I I know Zombie Toots um, likes that one a lot. But I'll tell you something. Um, I actually do think Christine has emerged for me as kind of like a a second or third favorite. Yeah. Escape from New York is in my top three. So I, I think it's I think it's Big Trouble Little China, Escape from New York, and Christine. Yeah. Those are my three favorite. The thing. I know I'm gonna get to watch the thing just because you want to keep watching it all the time. I'm fine with that. It's a great one. But um and, and Ghostly Puppers, Christine's her favorite. Yeah. Uh we just showed the kids the thing this past year for the yeah. first time. Um not the dog scene though, especially for Ghostly no. Puppers, because she's a big dog lover that would have 
freaked her oh, out. Yeah. She was already sad that the dog was infected to begin the movie. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, and we've kind of already answered this. You, we both said we would like to see a, a sequel to um, Prince of Darkness. Is there, is it, is there any other movie that you want to see a sequel to? So I want to see the thing sequel. Please, please, please. We have a prequel now. We need a sequel. I'm gonna go with uh, Christine. I, I actually would like to s- know more about the spirit or the demon or whatever is possessing that Plymouth Fury, but I want to see it in a newer car and I want a sequel. Okay. I want to see what happens to the couple that makes it out of the end of the movie. I don't necessarily need it to be about them, but I'd, I'd like to see a kid discover a car. Maybe, like, let's say this comes out in 2025. Maybe there's a late 90s or early 2000s muscle car that they discover. That so would be appropriate. So you think the car kind of like would manipulate itself into a newer car? Well, whatever possessed that car is floating around out there and something happened to somebody else. We had a new owner for a while. Somebody somebody today discovers this car that's, you know, 58, 70, that's 20 years old. So a car from the early 2000s. Okay. You know, think about well, what was a popular car. It wouldn't be as sexy as a big old Plymouth Fury, but um, <laughs> <laughs> there's some really obvious 2000s cars. And if we ever talk about Christine... We could talk about cars that you would like to see possessed yeah. in a potential yeah. sequel. Um, I'm thinking of Walter White's car being possessed. I'm thinking of a Jeep being possessed. A Jeep. Jeeps are very popular in the 2000s. Oh, my God. I bought this Chevy Blazer. <laughs> or what is it? had the, a Chevy Blazer. Oldsmobile Bra, Bra, Brava, Bravada, whatever that was. Yeah. I can't remember the name of that car. It's the same thing as the yeah. Chevy. Well, anyways, guys, next week, that wraps it up for episode 36, week two of Halloween 26, uh, 25. I can't even remember the numbers. You get the drift, guys. We love Halloween. Hope you guys are having a great October. Episode 37 next week. It's going to be uh, week four of Halloween 258366, where Jake is going to help us lead the way discussing Return of the Living Dead. Happy October, guys. Love you. Peace out.